Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry, or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. Our guest today is Bob Hines, preacher at Union Grove Church of Christ near Kilbuck, Ohio. Bob, I think we met about 12 years ago, maybe 11 years ago, when you attended a revival I was holding here at Union Grove. I believe at the time you were a youth minister at another church in the area, which I hope you'll tell us about that in a little bit. And, and when I came back a few years later, you were the preacher here. Uh, besides serving as preacher at Union Grove, you also hold down a full-time secular job. For that reason, we've never had a lot of time to get to know one another, but the more I learn about you, the more I want to praise God for how he changes lives of those who will accept the blood sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. I believe you've got a testimony that's going to encourage our listeners, and that's why I ask you just to share about your life. So, Brother Bob, tell us your story. Thank you, and good morning. Um, my name is Bob. I was just... Uh, a person that grew up, I grew up in a single home, my mother worked hard to raise me. I got in about 17 years old, I got into, the, of course, the alcohol scene and, and everything like that. And as years went by and progressed, I ended up going to the military, I moved to Georgia where I lived for four or five years. What, what branch of the military were you in? I was in the Army. In the Army? Okay. Yes. And... Uh, so I went in there, and when I got out, I came back here, and I was, of course, the military didn't help much on the alcohol scene, so I, I became even a bigger alcoholic, or what I like to call a drunk. Um, so I ended up coming back, and I played softball with some friends. Well, during that time, there was a minister that played on the team named David Bowles. He never really said nothing, but we became friends close. He uh, always had a, a line drawn, but he never acted like he couldn't talk to me because of that line. Well, then one day, after about a year or two of knowing him, he says, Hey, Bob, would you like to go to a revival? So I, he was my friend. I want to make that clear. It was only because he was my friend. I wasn't uh, down on my luck, I wasn't that I knew of, I was, as far as I knew, I was okay, but he was my friend, so I said, yes, I'll be glad to go. So later, he shared with me that the other people, when he said, I'm going to invite Bob to church, he said there was all, he'll yell at you, call you names, there was some saying that we're going to watch because he might get physical, with oh, you. So his fr people told him that if he invites you to revival, you might beat him up. Yeah, I would, or or I would try. I wouldn't say it right. might not work out well <laughs> for me. But yes, they. he shared with me a couple years later after I got to where I am now, uh, he shared with me that, yeah, there were people discouraging him saying, don't, don't do it. <laughs> and you see, that's one of the amazing things I've learned about you, Bob, is that you're one of the nicest, sweetest guys I've ever met. And yet I, I find out that, that a, a preacher was a little nervous that you might have punched him in the nose if he asked you to do revival. So, okay, go ahead. I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, I did, but I... Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, so 
I went to revival that night with him. Um, a lot of you might know how the story goes. The minister was seemed to be talking at me, uh, but still, he didn't. I didn't feel a need, but I heard about something that was amazing. So I told the minister afterwards. I said, "I'll probably be back tomorrow night if you're having it." And of course, they were. It was a revival. Um, you might, some of you might understand the word happy hour, where I usually went on that night was happy hour. And so my friend, when the minister told him, he, he said he's going to be back tonight. He goes, really? Because usually I had an appointment at happy hour. So You had a drinking appointment. Yes. Yes. Uh, with uh, your buddies. In the old yeah. days, it was happy hour. Right. Cheaper drinks. But I went back and I kept, it just, I really just kept going. I never stopped. Um. So then I ended up starting in church regularly, and it seemed like God was putting people in my, in places where just when I was ready to say, you know what, I would get reminded that there is a God. And I, so I kept going to church, just, just listening and watching and, and just enjoying myself, fellowship, people were nice. Um, well, then just one night, I told somebody I was thinking about asking Jesus to do something. And so I remember going forward like that, and it was it was kind of planned out, so I, I, I don't know what that means. So I went forward, I uh, became a Christian, I asked Christ to do something in my life, change things. Um, I, and during this time, I slowed down on all the, the things I was doing because of of other things in my life, but I never stopped, and I never could stop, and I, I, well, that's just how it is, but I asked Christ into my life, got up, I ended up one night, I was really concerned about, I, I started reading my Bible, I was concerned about this thing called baptism, mm -hmm. and it was, it was like, this is one of the person, I had a minister friend named Danny Bird, he was doing revival at a church, and I said, can I ask you a question, Danny? And he said, what? And I said, what does baptism mean? And he goes, well, it kind of gets a bad rap sometimes. And he says, a lot of churches, like at revivals, will ask you when you get baptized to become a member of a church. I said, oh, and he goes, so that's where it kind of gets discouraging because you might not want to be a member of that church or you just want to do what Christ asked you to do. Because he asked us to be baptized. Yes. Right. So he's telling me this. He goes, and they, and this is Thursday night. He used, They usually wait till the end of the revival to say, does anyone want to come forward and, and be uh, immersed in water? I said, okay, thank you for your information. And I, I, I stored that up, and I'm sitting in the church. And I sat with my friend Danny, so I know there was nothing going on. He got up and preached, and after that message, a minister got up, and he said, usually, it, it just seems usually we ask for baptisms on the end of the week, but something's telling me tonight, and I sat with my friend the whole time, so I know they didn't talk. Right. He goes, something's telling me, I'm going to ask, does anybody want to make a decision, get baptized, whatever, don't worry about what day it is, just do it. And then he said, and it don't matter if you're a member here. If you want to obey Christ, do it. 
Well, I just learned to go with whatever. If God says it, I jump in and go. So I went running forward. I said, okay. Later, my friend Danny said, I was wondering what you would do when that happened because it seemed like God was talking to you. Would you just sit there and we'd talk later? So I got up, got baptized, went. Now, where was um, that? Where did that take place? Uh, it was a little church out of Simon, Holmesville, Ohio. It was a little Baptist church. There was like 25 people there. Mm -hmm. That's later where I met my wife. She was a piano player there, and we, uh, we got uh, married later. So I became a Christian. Um, then I started to uh, just be, be faithful. I started going in our church. So about, I don't know, five, six years later, I started going to a place in Holmesville, a little church of Christ, and there was a minister named Jeff Starkey, the perfect fit for me because I'm an emotional person. He Really? He was, <laughs> yeah, I know that's hard to believe. It is, I don't know. <laughs> but he said he just was one of them that could work. He worked from emotion. He gave me some books on good stories that ended with Christian-based things where I could read and understand. So it seemed like God put the right minister close to my life. He ended up would come get me and encourage me, take me to to uh, retreats and stuff with him. And and, and wow. so it made me, you know, you, you, it was nice. So I did that. And then uh, I ended up marrying my wife. Well, then I went to church with her for a while. Some friends at work asked me if they knew a good church. I said, I know where a good minister is, and I'll go there a while. So I stayed at that church, Holmesville Church of Christ. In that time, the minister approached me, who then was Don Campbell, and said, we're looking for a youth minister. I said, oh, good, because I, I don't know if you can tell I like people. And so anytime a new minister or a new somebody, I was like, a little dog. I, oh, how are you? Oh, tell me about you. And I, I just, you know, they're trying to get away and everything, but that's, so, so I sit there and, and he, he goes, uh, we, we named two people and I said, oh, who are they? And he goes, we starting, we're starting a new thing where it's people we know because then it takes less time for the youth to get to know and trust if they already trust. It makes them. a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And what he said next didn't. I said, well, who, who is it? And he said, well, it was unanimous, it's you. No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I'm not a, I'm not a head of the guy, head of the, the, I'm not the lead man in anything. <laughs> I'm a Christian, I'm a follower. He goes, no, and I said, what do I do? And he said, what you've been doing? You've been doing Bible study, and when somebody's sick, you jumped in and filled in. Yeah, even when you didn't know what you was doing, which is 99% of the time, you would still try. <laughs> right. I said, well, and they, I said, look, I'll go home, I'll pray about it, you pray about it, but I just don't think this is for me. And so a while went by, there was other people they looked at, and it was funny because something always got in the way of these other people. And, and the minister would always come back to me. So finally, I, I, I said, fine. They voted on it, and I became youth minister. He said, the first thing you're going to do is go to a mission trip. And I'm sorry I talk about other people, but that's what God did. Right. 
So he said, you got to go on a mission trip. I said, I, I don't know how to do anything. He goes, you fill out a paper, go on a mission trip. <laughs> he said, you just fill out a paper. Yeah, That's how you just go on a mission send trip. it in and everything will be fine. So I did that. I went on a mission trip, and I'm going to tell where it's at because if any of the people that were there hear about it, I'd love for them to somehow get a hold of me. So I go on this mission trip, which I thought you were going to ask me something. No, no, no. no. So I go on this mission trip. I ended up working at a house painting and scraping with five kids I didn't know, and they didn't know each other. They got to know me about the second day in. Tennessee has a law that... Um, they would help, like if somebody wasn't capable of taking care of themselves completely, they would pay for a nurse to live in if the parents could afford a place for this person to live. That's the house I got. So we're working with this woman. She helped sort mail at a, to make money, and uh, the nurse lived there full time. Well, these five kids come up to me about Wednesday and said, Bob, we want you to do me a, do us a favor. And I said, what is it? They said, take this envelope and give it to that nurse. And I said, why? While they were working, the nurse came up and was crying and said, they're getting rid of this program at the at oh. uh, Tennessee where they just couldn't afford it anymore. And we want to take our money. And the nurse said, people will fall through the cracks that don't really need to fall through the cracks. They just need a little help. And we're taking our money that we had to go to Kings Island or wherever they were going when they left to celebrate. We want to give that money up to give this nurse one more day to work. Wow. <laughs> so, of course, I said, uh, I won't do that, but I will pitch in and you're going to give them the money. I'm not. This is you. So they did. They give the money to the nurse. There was a lot of crying. Um, the end of the week of the work camp, the group got a hold of me, group work camp, and said, the family wants to see you and these five kids. I said, okay. And I figured it, you know, to thank us. And, and well, you know, yeah. you tried. We get there and the nurse comes out and says, I want to make an apology. I didn't do what you asked me to do. And they, she goes, I sent the money to the capital of Tennessee. And the capital sent letter back, and the way the story went, the person in charge of all the funding that makes the big decisions called the secretary in and said that it was a letter with the money and says, is this right? Five kids from other states donated their money, which however much it was, $100, $200, are donating their money to keep this one day more. And the secretary said, to my understanding, that is what happened. He said, take this down. Send a letter back saying, if there's five kids, 15 years old, that care enough from another state about people, we will find the funding. Wow. They named the program, I guess. I, I didn't look it up. I was a young Christian. I was a, you know... They named the fund after these five kids. Wow. So, the reason I tell you that, I read the Bible and I was like, yeah, that's a cool story, that's a cool story. But all of a sudden, John 5 came to life where he says, take the little boy's lunch and, mul and I'll multiply it. 
Oh. And I was like, God, this this works, huh? <laughs> and of course, he's like, yeah, I've been telling you that. So I came back. He goes, do I got to talk you into going next year? I said, no, you got to try to keep me from going. I oh. said, because I will, and I've been doing missions ever since. So that's the background of that. So you but, do do you do a mission every year? Except, of course, last year. Right. It, it broke my heart, but I got to go this year, of course. And, yeah. yeah. So where'd you go this year? Nashville, Tennessee, oh. to uh, work with uh, people less fortunate and yeah. things like that, <coughs> and uh, help with programs that are nonprofit. We help, you know, Peyton and stuff like that. Meet some interesting people. There's like thirty of us. Wow. Do you so take some from your church here? I went on my own this year because of everything that happened. I just said, I told my wife, I'm going to announce that I'm going, but if if I hear nothing, I'm going to go ahead and send my paperwork in because I am not going to miss, again, being blessed and helping somebody. What a great know. story. So, yeah, so five kids hear this, please get a hold of me because I didn't even take their names, and I, I regret that all the time. Because oh. I just was, I was like, after I got back, I'm like, you know what? That was something pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, that was something pretty big. Yeah, so yeah. I uh, came back. I ended up doing more mission trips. God stepped up again and, and uh, was slowly showing me things when I was looking. And all the time I'm reading, trying to learn, is God real? So, so that kind of solidified my um, belief when I would read and then things would happen. So then I want to tell you about, and then things, of course, Satan, life, people get involved. Me and my wife decided uh, we wouldn't, we couldn't make a go of it. We just decided that we were going to split. And uh, of course, that's devastating to anybody that Especially when you're looking to God in your life and sure. you go, what happened? Well, God says, you know, you happened. And so we separated. My friend Danny Bird, who was still in the area, became a real good friend of mine. We went out and I would still do um, visitation. I would still go to church and he caught me one night and there was like a couple weeks to go before our divorce was going to be final. And um, uh, she filed, and I'll tell you why I say that. So we go through this time, and he goes, Bob, I want to tell you something. And I was pretty faithful in church, and he says, um, I was talking to the Lord about you the other night. And he told me, he said, you're hanging on by your fingernails. You're making a good show, but inside you're tore up. You don't know what to believe. You don't know where you're going. This is my friend telling me this. I'm right. Like, Wait a minute. You're my friend. <laughs> and he, he says, no, what's going to happen? It looks like you're going to, this is going to happen. This bad thing in your life's going to happen. And he goes, and you're going to drop out of church completely because you're going to lose your faith in God. Thanks for the encouragement. Danny, he says, and then I'm going to come and see you. He goes, no, I won't. I'll wait a month because you're going to waller in your self-pity thinking, why me? Once again, my friend is telling me this, but I mm -hmm. took it and went home. 
So we, uh, we was going through and I was living somewhere. I called him one night and says, Danny, I won't be a Bible study. He goes, you okay? Yes, I'm okay. I wasn't okay. I was going back to my old stomping grounds. I was going back to my old life. I already said, you know, I'm giving up. I, it's, I can't do this, God. As I'm walking down the street to where I usually used to go, a minister friend, Don Campbell, was in his yard. All he did was say hi. I said hi back. We started talking about nothing important. We just talked about you know, life and, and, you know, things going on, sports. By that time, the urge had left me. I went home, went to bed, and went to work. My minister friend, Danny, showed up in my workplace and says, are you okay? And I said, yes. He goes, because as soon as I hung up the phone, the Holy Spirit goes, he's not okay. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah. He said, he's going to go back. He's going back to where he used to hang out. And he goes, evidently you didn't. Well, I knew the story that I was. So right. I told him I was going to, and I, he goes, I knew where you hung out, and I was going to show up there, but um, when I walked in, I said, oh, that had been so embarrassing. He goes, no, it wouldn't. And I said, what was you going to do? And he goes, I was going to sit down next to you, and I've known you long enough to know how to handle things. I was going to sit down next to you and order a drink. And you would have looked at me because you respect me and said, what are you doing? And he said, I would have told you, I love you so much that if you're going down, I will go down with you. Wow. Yeah. And God put a, a lot of great people in your life, didn't he? Yeah, and that's why it's not a lot. It's not me. <laughs> so, so I went home, did that. And then the, the final thing of, of this whole situation here, my I was at work. I dropped to my knees one day. People saw me, and I started shaking. I said, God, you've given me more than I can handle, I feel. I'm sorry. I, I know you're real, but you've hurt me so bad. I don't know what to do. You said I could handle it, and I can't. Got up. Went back to work, um, still a little shook about it and thinking about it. That night, that very night, my wife locked herself out of her apartment. She couldn't get a hold of nobody on her phone that she knew to come let her in. So she flagged, I was happened to be driving by where she was standing. She flagged me down and said, I'm sorry to bother you, you're the only one that I can get a hold of. Can you help me get in my apartment? I helped her get in her apartment. We started talking, um, actually went to a church and sat a while and visited uh, 30 years ago. 30 years ago. Today we have two wonderful kids, grandkids. So, God, once again. So was your divorce ever finalized? No. So it, had, it didn't get that far? No, there was just a couple weeks to go when I broke down. And God had mercy enough to say, I'm stepping in and despite you. And I was like, oh. So we've been together ever since. She's a sweet lady, too. Uh, I, I just always enjoy visiting with her, and Beth does, too. She's just a, and what a support in your ministry. Yeah. Yeah, what a support. She is. Wow. 
So I've been a youth minister for I, I, about 14 years. I came out here to help fill in one time. They asked me to preach. I went home. I said, I'll pray about it. Give me two weeks, pray about it. I prayed. It was six weeks later. They kept contacting me saying, are you going oh, God, to, that ain't what I'm supposed to do, God. And, um, you know, because I didn't even want to be a youth minister. And then all of a sudden, a youth minister can be just goofy. You know, <laughs> a, a honest, goofy, and set up games and, and try to be faithful. A minister is different. So, all the way through youth ministry, God had blessed me with letting me work with my son and daughter. Well, my son mostly then. And all the way through, I kept telling the kids... If you're sitting in a church and you're comfortable, that's why I appreciate your prayer. If you're comfortable, you need to do something. God wants to change the world, but he wants to change it through you. And it's not by sitting in a pew, always singing hymns and, and listening to minister and saying, I won't go out and do bad things and all that, even though all that's part of it. But Abraham, Jacob, all, you know, all the ones... The apostles, they didn't have a comfortable life. No. Once they came to Christ, God kept pushing them and they kept going. And I always told that. My son was always in every class that I got promoted to. And I, I appreciate that because I didn't get to spend a lot of time any case, other times with him. So I'm at my kitchen table. He's, I'm filling out a resume. I said, son, I've been a youth minister up there 14 years. And I'm wanting verification that, man, it's been a long time. And he looked at me and he says, Dad, are you comfortable? Ooh. Yeah. So right then, I made the point to go, you know what? If I step back and don't do what I told him through Sunday school, what else is he going to think I lied about? Wow. And, uh. So I stepped up. I've been here now I, 10 years, maybe 11. Um, yeah. So I've been here that long. I have a wonderful daughter. She is very, she reads her Bible, very supportive, graduated college, forensic science and criminal criminology. Uh, mm -hmm. But she will always say, Dad, what about this scripture? And we'll talk about it. So my kids and my family has been so... Of course, my son was a springboard to say, and he's still faithful in church, and he's married now, living in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, I have to ask you, because I know you called and told me you're going to do a podcast. And like so many people that I asked to do this podcast with me, you were a little nervous about it, and, and, and most most of the people I ask are... are and uh, did he say to you, are you comfortable, Dad? Did he, <laughs> did he use that again? No, he didn't, because he knows me by now that I will do it, but I'm, I'm very, uh, this probably won't work, but God, I will do it. And so he goes, I told him another adventure, and he just started laughing. He goes, you know you'll, you'll do it. And I said, yeah, I, I know I'll do it, but whatever God uses, he uses. So, yeah, so I can't wait to call him and tell him I did live through it. I did survive. So my family's been very supportive. And all the other times I've met, just it's it's been like, it's not about me. It's about peop, other people doing what God asked them to keep me in line to right. do things. And that's just what amazes me about God, that he's 
took a drunk that was, I, you, you can probably paint a picture of how bad I was, times that by 10. Because that's, that's what I was. I was. I was just a person that was living for myself. And now I'm here at a church and uh, I still fight things in my lives. But I have people always, God always sends somebody. I'm having a bad day, God sends somebody to say, Hey, I just wanted to tell you. Or I'm going, God, am I making a difference? And somebody walks up and says, at work, will you pray with me? And I'm like, okay, God, get the message. You know, so so that is basically my story. If I left anything out, please, I'll be. Well, you, uh, your son ended up going to Bible college. Is that right? Well, he didn't go to Bible college, but he took Bible courses. He went to Malone. Okay. Ohio. I guess it is. Yes, it is a Bible college. I'm sorry. But but then yeah. uh, he is uh, he's still serving the Lord, but not in a full time vocational ministry. But he's serving the yes. Lord, and and uh, certainly your daughter is, and your son in law, and and uh, son in law does some supply preaching, doesn't he? Yes. Is that he, what I, I understand? Yeah, he's very good, and so is my daughter in law. I love her too. I. <laughs> I don't, don't yeah. want to leave them out. No. And no. if I did leave somebody out in my story, I'm sorry. Thank you. God used you to help me. So I appreciate it. Well, it sounds like really when the Lord grabbed hold of you, your life, though you didn't see it that way, your life was probably in a shambles, but the Lord saw it that way and yeah. saw a need for change. And I'm I'm sitting here, you've, you've been here 10 years and... Uh, Union Grove is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Uh, people say, where's the most beautiful churches? And they think, you know, cathedrals. And I, I think of Union Grove as being one of the most beautiful places. Mm -hmm. It's just a country church up here on a hill. It says Kilbuck, Ohio, but it, what is it? It seems like it's 15 minutes from actually Kilbuck. Yes. And and uh, you're always looking for the deer because it's it's aptly named Kilbuck. <laughs> and, but we're sitting here in your office and which you don't get to spend a lot of time in because you you have a full-time secular job as well. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I'm looking at a barn out this window and out the hills out the other window, and it just seemed like God giving you a peaceful place serve. And I know the people here love you. And uh, I know how excited they were when they when you decided to come because they were talking to me about they had to ask you to come be their minister. And we've been coming here long enough to, to have been just a little bit knowing when all that was happening and I know you love your congregation and uh, you've been through a lot of ups and downs and COVID uh, hit you hard here. How did, how did COVID affect your congregation in 2020 as far as attendance and, and uh, all of that during 2020? Yeah, it slowed down because we we're an older congregation and a lot of sicknesses. So a lot of people, stayed away for that reason but I, I see the internet as people would say they would tell me we're still watching we're still going we're going on online watching church service I'm okay just stay faithful some until we get back right and so and, and a lot of good things happened to us so God is still this didn't catch him off guard. He's still got he's still got a handle on it we just need to see him through it and that's how I look at it. So again, how many years were, were you in youth ministry? Fourteen. Fourteen, and that was in one congregation. Yes. And then 
10 years here, so 24 years in two congregations. That's, that's really good. You know, so many ministers uh, can't say that. You know, they, uh, I, I say they. We move around so much because I did a, a great deal in my early ministry. Of course, I started very young, and that probably had something to do with it. But my last ministry, I was at nine years before doing this one, which I've now been doing for 18 years. But uh, so you've been 24 years. Um, tell us a little bit about your current ministry, about about just being here, being a country preacher and being a what we call a tent maker, where you, you, uh, you've got a, a parsonage across the road here in this beautiful setting. Uh, which always, I, I hate to say, you're not supposed to, but it just makes me a little jealous when I see what you get to look at every morning. It just, uh, it's just gorgeous. Uh, but just being, uh, what's it like being a country preacher? Uh, and and maybe some of the difficulties of, I mean, when you when you have a funeral and you're, you've also got a, uh, a full-time secular job, how does that work out? Well, luckily, I've been, or however you want to look at it, I've been at my job coming up here in this coming April, 26 years. So I have vacation, and I just use my vacation days to to work around that. And, of course, people try to understand. I know some of the uh, people here at the church step in and will say, look, we know you can't do this now, so... so just God works it out. He's... For a small congregation, you've got several people who can preach, mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, elders who will step up. Which is uh, some larger churches don't have that. You've got some good guys here who uh, who care about you, and they understand. And twenty six years at one job, probably the people uh, one secular job, they understand who you are, and and that you have other responsibilities too. And there's probably some understanding there. But I've always, I've always wondered how that works for a tent maker. You know, uh, if you run into difficulties, being able to get off to do the things you need to do. But twenty six years, I, I guess you would have some time off coming to you. So that does seem to work out. Um, over the years, what uh, what have been some of your your toughest challenges as? Uh, as a youth minister or as a preaching minister, um, what have been your, uh, what do you see as some of the toughest challenges you've had in ministry? Was it, was it studying, preparing for messages? Was it uh, difficult, dealing with some difficult people at some time or another? Uh, just share anything you can along that line, that, that just tough challenges that God helped you through as a minister. Um, I think sometimes we lose our amazement. Uh-huh. And I, I know, I understand it's easy if you come from a background where you've basically raised in a Christian home and you went to a Christian college, did all these things right. God just, and God bless you because from an early age, God protected you. People like me... And people where I work, for some reason, just missed it. You know, miss God, whatever, went on our way. 
And I think we miss the amazement in a church anymore that when we see, I mentioned people that just stopped me along the street and would talk to me. And it kept me from something. And I think we forget how great God is. He amazes you. I was the most undeserving person I'll ever meet. If I go to a prison, if I meet somebody on the street that's been on drugs or married multiple times and, and been hooked on things, whatever, I am more undeserving than them, according to the Bible. According to God, I turned my back on him for no reason. He tried to love me and hold me, and I just turned my back on him. And I think as a church, sometimes we forget what God can do. We, we, we think about, oh no, look what they're doing, or look what that's going on in the world. And we forget, wait a minute, that was me. And you know what? If I obey God and step in where these people did in my life, it might just work. If yeah. I stop on a corner and pray with somebody, mm -hmm. who knows? Yeah. I'm going to say people, people will be in need of prayer, and we know it. Or they'll even say, would you pray about this? And we say, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And we go, we go on down the street, or we go and do our shopping at Walmart or wherever we might be. And I always say, stop right then and there and say, yes, let's do it right now. And they might be a little embarrassed, but they say, well, that, that, a lot of times they'll say, well, I did ask him. <laughs> and and uh, you don't know that that is just the, that is the turning point in their life. Right then, right at that moment, like that fellow was out in his yard, and he just he just stopped you at that point. Yeah, and, it's it's just obey Christ, but remember what you were. God, God didn't get a gift when He got me. He would say yes, but I would say God, why? Yeah, I did not deserve it. So when I see things going on in the streets now, I just hey, I'm going to pray with you. And a lot of them tell me, you know, thank you and walk away. But there's always that chance because I know that's what happened to me. And God did it that way in my life. So if I pray with somebody that don't want to really accept right then, that's okay. God, I laid it at your feet and I will do what you want me to do. And he's blessed me with a lot of great miracles like the five kids because yeah. I did that. But other times they walk away and you go, it's okay, God. Send somebody else in their path to chip away yeah. at that. So, Well, your life has been a witness to people. Uh, even now, I told you before the podcast, uh, I was grabbing a quick bite of breakfast at the motel. And, and my wife, who just makes friends with anybody and everybody you know that she meets, no matter what was in line checking out at the store or whatever, has uh, really uh, done a lot of talking with the people who work there at the motel. And she was talking to one of the ladies, and the lady was amazed. Uh, Beth was saying I was coming to a podcast. We did this revival, and I was doing a podcast with a preacher. And the lady said, well, who is he? And she said, I know him. I remember him when I was a teenager, and he was a teenager. He used to play flag football in this field behind, uh, I think it was one of the government buildings in the town, they're on a big field, and she said, I remember, and, she, and, and Beth said, well, God has really changed her life, and she said, yes, he has, and so it was, uh, you were a witness to this person that you may not even remember, and, and to this day, she knows that God changed your life, 
And uh, I think that's a powerful witness of, of what God has done in your life. And I, I've heard some of the things you've told me today are things that, that good enough things took 10 years to find this out about you, Bob. And I, I've actually had more time this, this week to, to talk with you and learn about you. Um, and what you said about um, the challenge, the tough challenges, we lose, you're right, we lose the, uh, I like to say it in revival, we, we lose the, um, the wow or the woo-hoo. We lose the woo-hoo in our Christianity. We, we, uh, uh, we come in, we sit down, we stand up, we sing, we, we bow our head, we have a prayer, oh, here comes the Lord's Supper, I'll do that. And we forget the, the amazement that was in our lives when we first became a Christian and, and what he's done in our lives. And we look back and we, we just have totally forgotten that. And, and like you say, I think it's, it may be easier for those who grew up in a Christian home because their life has always been like that. But even those who had an amazing change like you did can fall into routine and forget what God has done in their lives. Uh, there are times that uh, somebody says to me, I'm amazed about the ministry you do, Tom, you and Greg and Lori and Beth and Kristen, that, that you, uh, you started out with one family that's supporting this ministry and you've done this for 18 years and now, and, and I, I have to get the wow factor again because I realize how wowed I was 14 years ago, how God was going to do this thing. And we need to, we need to all, I would encourage our listeners to this program today when we get off of here, or if you need to just stop us, just, just hit the, hit the stop button and say, God, remind me of, of the wow in my life, what you've done, uh, like you did for Bob and, and, uh, and spend a few moments in, in the woohoo with, with the Lord right now, the hallelujah, you might want to say, I like to say the woohoo, but, but however you might put it. Well, what, what were some of, what's a, some of the woo-hoo moments or the most uh, greatest joys that you can remember over the 24 years in ministry? Can you, is there some moment that you just said again, uh, wow, God, look what, what you, look at what you just did just now. And, and of course you told us the one about the five kids, which was amazing, mm -hmm. but is there any, maybe another one just pops to mind. I know I'm kind of hitting you with a cold question here, but Oh, yes, I can think of a, people that work that just are ask me to pray for them, then come up later and say, I started reading my Bible and, and tell me this. Or people that I meet now that knew me younger and they were like, like me and they said, I got in church because of this and now God has changed my life. But uh, my second mission trip was in West Virginia and we I'm sitting with these five kids I open the folder we're all it's like 600 kids I'm with five of them it said you're building a porch and you're fixing a roof I didn't know how to build a porch or fix a roof <laughs> I looked at the kids and sometimes they put kids in these spots you know like their dad was a carpenter or their dad's there you know I said, did any of you know anything about carpentry? No. So I walked down to one of the leaders, and I said, uh, there might be a problem here. There might have been a mix-up. And he said, what is it? And I said, 
Um, what does this paper say that our group, our five kids, are going to do? Oh, it looks like you're going to do a, build a deck and, and, and work on a roof. I said, yeah, that might be the problem. He goes, what is it? And I go, I don't know how to do any of that at all. And I've asked the kids, do you? And they said, they don't know how to do any of that. And he said, huh. And I looked at him and I said, okay, so what should we do? And he goes, I suggest you pray. And I kind of chuckled until I realized he walked away and never came back. Oh, my. <laughs> Yeah, so once again, God said, okay, once again, impossible stuff. I said, okay, I guess we'll go. Well, I ended up meeting an elder, and this was 20-some years ago. Met an elder I'm still friends with today from Peoria, Illinois. He was one of the troubleshooters, and he ended up coming out and, and helping separate wood and showing us how we're going to build, what the idea was, and at the end of the... The thing, one of the greatest joys was us kids and me stood back and saw a deck and the roof was fixed. And all we could do was go, how did that happen? And <laughs> once again, God says, well, it wasn't by you. And I said, well, I knew that. I was telling him, I was screaming it wasn't by me, but he stepped in again. And so anytime I get a chance to pray with somebody, anytime, no matter if I think they disagree with me or not, I'll say, well, look, I, I know you're hurting. Can I pray with you at least? And, and uh, yeah, I've, I've seen changes. I've, I've seen people just say, wow, and they, they got a tear in their eye because they said somebody's listening. And that's, yeah. yeah. One of our major problems as Christians is we ask somebody, how you doing? And if they start telling us, we're thinking, oh, I wish I hadn't asked. Yeah. You know, because we want to move on. And our, our, our mind is on something else and we're not listening to how they're doing. And maybe we need to listen when they say, this is how I'm doing and pray with them. You know, something you said uh, in your Bible class Sunday morning, you know, you're still changing lives. You, you, you said some things that changed uh, my way of thinking about Nathaniel Sunday morning, uh, and Beth too. We were we were talking about what a tremendous Bible lesson you gave us Sunday morning. Uh, we we just we we loved it. We loved it. I, I I know because of COVID and everything, your attendance in, in your Bible class has really gone down. And I I'd say to anybody who's listening to this who lives in the area of Kilbuck, Ohio, you ought to be coming and and to Bob's class because this was. Uh, I, I'm I'm very academic sometimes when I go through stages and I say, well, this is Nathaniel and this is what happened and and I'll, I'll just move on, you know. But you were talking about uh, Nathaniel was in a certain place, and and how God speaks to us in a certain place and God sees us in a certain place, and I was thinking about that just now as we I was hearing your testimony that you were in a certain place. 24 years ago, 25 years ago, and God saw you and he saw your heart, which is a, 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 a I see your heart all the time when I'm running and I know what a wonderful heart it is. And God saw you there and saw that he could use you like he saw Nathaniel under the tree and, and how we, how God sees us. And you, you said something about, uh, 
the certain place. You really spend a lot of time on that Sunday morning. Uh, that, and I don't even know if I can say it like you did. Maybe you can jump in here uh, about that. It's when we're in a certain place that God can reach us. To, uh, go ahead. Now, you're nodding your head. You, uh, well, first of all, I don't want to get copyright. Uh, <laughs> Mark Batterson, Christian writer. Um, yeah, you, you did say that Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah, you did yeah say that. it's once again, the book was in a certain place for me <laughs> to read. Um, yeah, and he made the point in a certain place, God might leave that out because we think a certain place is church. He says, no, it can be, but it can also be your back porch, your front yard, as Don Campbell, that was his certain place for to stop me. Where would I be today? You know, right. dead, whatever. Um, but wherever you're at at this time is that certain place. And that person walking by you could be that certain person. You don't know. You smile. Um, my son told me a story of a, of a man that walked to a bridge and he jumped off. And they didn't know why he killed himself. And they found his house and it was like three, four miles away. And it was supposed to be a true story. And they found the letter. And he says, I am so depressed. I am so hurting from this world. I'm going to kill myself. And he says, but... It's a three or four mile walk to this bridge. If someone acknowledges me, smiles at me, I'll turn around. Nobody. Nobody. Mm. So we need to really be aware of our surroundings, yes. be aware of the people that are around us. Um, I think that if I got nothing else out of this podcast today, you've really made a point about how each life touches another life. And, and it's not just um, in, in the movies with Jimmy Stewart. Each life touches another life. And, and uh, if, if we don't pay attention, if we don't open our eyes to the opportunities that are around us, we'll have more and more people who are bound to be lost, who will continue to be lost because we didn't open our eyes and see, oh, this is a God moment. This is a certain place for this person, and I happen to be here with them. And this is what I can do. Well, Bob, you just said so much today uh, that is good. And what we need to hear, is there uh, anything else you'd like to share with us today? Except wherever you're at in life, even if you're disagreeing with me totally, I want you to know there is a God who cares and that's the first thing we need to understand, that God loves us. There's this creator that we look out and say he created this amazing world for us. And he loved us enough to come back. We're one of the only religions that says, he says, they say, come to me. And he says, no, I came to you. And I think, that's, that's just, and that's me. He came to a drunk. He came to a person that didn't care about him. And says, I'm going to put people in your life that there's no way you can walk away from me unless you really, really turn your back. And I'm so thankful for each one person that, that knows me that stepped in front and did it in a certain place. All right. Well, thank you. And, and uh, you know, I it would be wrong for me to end this podcast, particularly with the way 
it has the direction it's taken without saying to our listeners, if you are outside of Christ, if you're struggling and you need Jesus in your life, we would love to help you. You can contact us through this podcast or even better by going to rocksolidministries.org and clicking on the contact us page. Just fill that out and, and uh, say, I'm, I'm wanting to make Jesus Christ my Lord uh, and we will help you. Uh, we will do everything within our power to reach you, to help you to uh, come to repentance in your life because unless we repent, we will all likewise perish, Jesus told us to to confess Christ because confession is made unto salvation, we're told in, in the book of Romans, uh, to believe in Jesus because without faith it's impossible to please God and to be buried with Christ in baptism. And uh, we encourage you to find someone who will baptize you for the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you cannot find someone to do that and you contact us, if at all possible, we will drive to wherever you're at in this country and we will baptize you if we cannot find somebody who can do it for for you. But we will make every effort and any way possible to help you to make this decision. We care about you. God loves you. And uh, maybe today you're listening to this podcast because it's that certain place where God is going to speak to your heart. And um, for those Christian listeners today, if this podcast has encouraged you, I encourage you to share it with your friends and co-workers in Christ and maybe with that friend or co-worker who is struggling in their personal life and who needs Jesus right now. Uh, maybe Bob's story of how God has changed his life and made him a minister for 24 years will change their lives and give them hope as well. Until next time. This is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.